Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you're joined us today. Uh, and I pray that God's word would just touch your heart, encourage you, convict you, guide you, and direct you, because God's word is powerful. And so today we just pray that God would bless you and, and just bless uh, your coming and your going and pray that God would bless everybody here uh, here in this sanctuary today. We want to continue to pray that God would uh, just completely eradicate, is the word, this COVID virus. I know many people are saying, well, this thing may be perpetual. You know, it may be on, may be like the flu. There are a lot of things and a lot of speculation, but I believe God is overall, and I believe as God's people pray that we know we can make a difference. So I encourage you to pray. Also pray for those that still, we see that people are continuing to be infected with this virus. Pray for the healing of those that are uh, continued in harm's way, but also our medical community and so forth, that they would be given wisdom and direction during this time. I would also ask that you would pray for our law enforcement uh, people that are out on the front lines where we see a lot of things going on in this country that maybe you never thought you would see and the disruption and destruction and so forth. Pray for strength for uh, our men and women that are in blue. We know we are for them. We need law enforcement, and I pray that you would pray for them and ask God to protect them, but also to give them strength because I know from one day to the next, they're out there uh, trying to keep law and order, and they get tired. And so we pray and ask God to cover them and to bless them and strengthen them, lift them up. So all these prayers. Also, we pray for your healing today. If you need healing, Jesus is the one that we come to. We run to our Father, and we do ask for healing. Maybe you need deliverance. Maybe today, something in your life, a habit that you just can't break, that God is wanting to break off of you. And uh, it's something that controls your life. Maybe it has actually ruined your life. And, and yet you're seeking the Lord today, whatever it may be. And just ask you that you would uh, ask the Lord to deliver you and set you free from whatever these things may be that are uh, binding you up. Jesus said, I came to set the captive free. And so we know that is his word and that's truth. And he delivers and he saves. If you need salvation today, my uh, encouragement is to go and go before the Lord and ask Jesus to come in your heart to save you, to be your Lord and your master and your savior, to to give your life over to Jesus Christ here. Because sometimes, you know, we want to we want to do this and that. And we have plans. And God said, but I got better plans for you. And we know that if you turn your life over to Jesus and make him Lord of your life, that he can direct you into a place of, of wonder, just the blessings of the Lord as he he will help you and lift you up during this time. So all these things we offer to him. And whatever is on your heart today, if we haven't mentioned it, we know that Jesus is the answer. And I'd encourage you to run to Jesus this day. So as we begin this service, I want to talk about actually how to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And we're going to be looking in the book of John, chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 35 through 51. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us and what a privilege it is to come together and assemble corporately. We thank you for these that are watching here in this stream that we have. We ask you, Father, to touch peoples all over this world through this message because, Lord, you're speaking. And, Lord, we ask you today, help us to hear. We ask you, Lord, today to open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our mind that we may understand, and, Lord, open our hearts that we may obey. 
So, Lord, this is your time. We ask you, Lord, today, people all over this country, all over this world would encounter you today as well as in this place. We just offer ourselves to you today because, yes, you are worthy. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter one, verses thirty five through fifty one. We're going to read this. Uh, Jesus is actually gathering together the first five disciples as he he walked on this earth. We're going to share about that because we know that God has called us to be disciples. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. In verse 35, it says the next day, John, he's talking about John the Baptist was there again with his disciple, two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. And so they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. And in about the 10th hour, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is was translated as Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, he said to them, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethlehem. And Peter found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from here? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite, Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe. And because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree, you shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. These few verses are loaded as far as, I believe, a process of evangelism, a process as we look at what happens. Last week, we talked about the woman at the well, if you remember the story. The woman who was, was heavy laden with shame and guilt, and she went to the well about uh, midday, around 12 o'clock. She didn't go when the other women were there because... They somehow they she felt like somehow they would condemn her because you remember what happened. She came to the well and she saw Jesus sitting at the well. And remember, this was very unusual, certainly for a rabbi to come and to go into a a Samaritan's uh, presence and so forth. And so the woman was sort of puzzled by that because the Jews actually rejected the Samaritans. And yet she came. And so Jesus was asking for water and and all. And the woman said, you know, uh, yeah, you know, she's there's a conversation going there, asking a question. And then Jesus said, I'll give you living water and, and all it, it. It caught this lady's attention here. And then when Jesus actually knew as a word of knowledge, I believe a spiritual gift 
when God told her, told him what, you know, she'd been living, she divorced five men, and she was living with the, pres the man that she was presently with, and she, he sort of read her mail in a way, and it got her attention. And he's like, okay, you know, she knows she had had enough upbringing as far as uh, the word of God was concerned. And she said, here, the, she knew the Messiah was coming. And so there was a progression in this lady's life of what was happening and her coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing was, is Jesus's love and acceptance of this lady. Whenever you and I go out to witness about God and Jesus in our lives and so forth, People have to know that we accept them and we love them. It's hard to come into a person's presence if they know that you reject them and in some way or another that you can condemn them or beat them with your religious bat. You've got to love them and accept them. That doesn't mean that you always agree with their actions. It just means as a person, you've got to somehow project that, yes, they are valued because that's what God did to us. We're valued in his sight. He loves us. And we're value all different, different personalities, different makeups, appearances and so forth. But he loves us, the Bible says, with an everlasting love. And so this lady knew love and acceptance. And so it caught her attention that she wasn't rejected by this rabbi, this Jewish man, who she knew that the Jews had rejected the Samaritans all along. She was perplexed by this. And so Jesus began to talk to her about, obviously, the Messiah, who he was and so forth. And and then the next thing that is actually she was convicted. She got convicted. Remember when she was being confronted with the fact that, hey, I've been divorced five times and I'm living. You're presently living with the man. You're not married to him. You're uh, living there uh, in sin uh, and so forth. She said, but she got convicted because she's like, man, this guy knows. And, and she, I know she felt, obviously, the, just the anointing of God and Jesus and Jesus being God there with the anointing that she was feeling, the conviction that she was feeling. You know, uh, when I, you share Jesus with people, there has to be conviction. We can't leave that out. There has to be the conviction of the Holy Spirit and certainly convicting that person that they are sinners and that they are obviously have done evil in God's sight and that Jesus Christ is the only way out. There has to be conviction. I realized when God convicted me, I realized that obviously all that, that I was convicted and that if somebody didn't save me, that I was doomed to, to hell. And, and I realized Jesus was always there with his grace, extending his acceptance of me. But I had to realize that I was convicted that I had sinned. If in some way or another you skip that conviction, then you really, truly probably have not come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there has to be conviction that we are sinners in need of God's grace and forgiveness. And Jesus is standing there all along saying, here is this forgiveness. I give it to you freely. I died for your sins. I took your sins upon myself there at the cross at Calvary. And so it was there at that conviction. But the third thing was the revelation. As she began to move through this and, and began to have that conversation with Jesus, that she was obviously, she received the revelation. This is truly, you're the Messiah. Jesus said that. You're the Messiah. And do you remember what happened? She got saved right there at the well, though, really. Because what she did was she she gave Jesus her life. She said, I'm yours and and all really in reality. And remember, she went back to her town there in Samaria and actually began to tell other people about her experience, what had happened. She realized she came with a burden of shame and guilt and all those things that had been on her life there in the many years of 
of not obviously walking with God and doing the things that the enemy teaches us, the world teaches us, and the flesh teaches us. And then she left with exuberant joy. And she told the town there in Samaria about Jesus. And remember what happened? Revival took place. Revival in that place. Many people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of this one person. And I'll say that about us today. One person. And you tell one person about Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done in your life. And let me tell you, you have no idea as far as the ripple effect that will take place after that person leaves you. You don't know. One person in this church, one person can tell somebody and there could be a mass explosion of people coming to Jesus as a result of that. One person in a family knowing Jesus and telling somebody about Jesus, that whole family can get saved, just like Cornelius when he said your whole family will get saved. And that's what we want here today, isn't it? We want people to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus here is getting his followers. He's, he's reaching out. And as we see here, the first one was Andrew. And think about this. Actually, Andrew's name actually means manly, actually. Like he's a tough guy. He was probably maybe old fisherman and so forth and all. And John the Baptist is bringing actually Andrew and the apostle John up there, the other disciple, is John, the one who wrote this book. Those were the first two. And, and we know John is coming there with them. And he is actually, he's there because he obviously is placing them in the environment of Jesus, okay? And so John the Baptist knows that his responsibilities to point people to Jesus has, is over at that point. He realizes that he had done the will of God and that his time. And so he knew that he had to turn them over to Jesus. And so Jesus comes there and he says, uh, obviously, some things that are very simple, very. And I believe sometimes as we look at the way that we tell people about Jesus, there are different ways that, it, that catch people's attention. Sometimes it may be by your lifestyle. Many times it will be. You know, people are watching you that you never thought were watching you. I remember years ago, somebody said something about, and I've been watching you about this and that. And they weren't saying that in any way to, to try to intimidate me. They were watching my life, and I didn't realize it. I did not even realize it. And so I began to sort of recount and look back and say, how did I act in this situation, and, and how did I do in this situation or not? People watching us, whether or not you realize it or not. Because why? It's because the light of Jesus is reflecting the light of Jesus into a dark world, and people want to know the light. Jesus, there are certain people that want to know about this, want to know truth. And many people today are searching for truth because of that God-shaped void in their lives. And the only thing that can satisfy is a relationship with Jesus. Amen. That's the only thing it can satisfy. And so he, we see here is when John the Baptist, he turned the reins over to Jesus, as it may be. And obviously, when he said, look, the Lamb of God, there he is. He's right here. Obviously, John had already taught his disciples that Jesus is the one to follow, not him. And he is the one, the Bible says that he is the one who comes after me, John speaking, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to, to untie here. And so these disciples knew exactly what to do. And they seized the moment and went after Jesus. They immediately walked away from John and they followed Jesus. We're followers of Jesus, really, if you get down to it. Real simply, our walk is, is that we are followers of Jesus. Jesus has called you by name and he said, follow me. You know, take up your cross daily and follow me. He says that to you and to I. And so we see here is that John the Baptist had 
had uh, prepared the way for Jesus, certainly. And when Jesus looked at him, I'm sure it was a look of love. When Jesus looks it up, us, it's not a look of condemnation, you know. It's not a look that it says that, hey, you mess up one more time, I'm going to hit you with that big spiritual stick in heaven. No, it's a look of love. It's a look of acceptance. It's a look that's saying, come to me if you're burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for, for your souls. That's the look. It's a look of love when he pierces us, and we realize there that look of love sort of pierces that and convicts us, and we, we confess that to him and repent of those sins, and we run to Jesus, and that burden is lifted just like it was with the Samaritan woman at the well. That burden of shame and guilt is lifted because of that, because of the look of Jesus here. He turns around and says something. He said, what do you want? He looks, you know, and, and Jesus asked us that. What do you want out of life? What is it you're looking for in life? You know, what is it that really is important with you? That's what he does. He turns, he looks, what do you want in life out of life? And, and he looks for each one of us. And the answer that we give him is very important. And he's saying, basically, what are you living for? What is the purpose of your life? And what do you want out of life? He looks. He turned around. And he said, what, is, what do you want here? And their answer actually is really a request. A request to have some time with Jesus there. They want to have some time with him. And you know there the story of Mary and Martha. Martha is in the kitchen. And she's working diligently and so forth. And Mary's seated there at the feet of Jesus. Listening to Jesus and all. Just sitting in his presence. Just wanting to be with Jesus. Do you know we'll live eternity with Jesus Christ as a Christian? We will be there. I can't I can't wait. I look forward to that time. I'm not morbid about this. I'm looking forward to the time when I'm in his presence, when I no longer have these old achy joints, where I no longer have the issues that you deal with in this life. When you no longer have that, you'll be in his presence forever. It's going to be in glory land. You've heard of it. You've sung about it. You think about it. And when you really ponder it and see what heaven is going to be like, it's not going to it's going to be like nothing we've ever experienced. And we see here, Andrew and John, hey, they said, just to spend some time with Jesus here. And they said, Rabbi, actually, they're acknowledging his sovereignty here. Obviously, he, he's saying he's the son of God and, and all. And he says this, where are you staying? Where are you staying? You know, the Holy Spirit resides in my heart and your heart as believers. And we know that he came and he can't, comes to take up residence in our lives and and, you know, we tabernacle in the Lord, it could be said, because he comes and, and just envelops us in his presence. And he said, where do you stay? Where do you stay? You know, God is here with us right now. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Sometimes we, we sense and we see the manifest presence of God. In other words, the, the obvious evidence of God's presence, don't we? But God is here no matter what. He is with us and he's with you wherever you go. No matter what you go through in life today. Where are you staying, Rabbi? That's what the question was. What they were saying was, I want to spend some time with you. We want to stand. We want to talk to you about these things. And you know what we do is, is we open the word of God and we tell the Lord, I want to talk to you about these things. I want to read and study and meditate on the word of God. I want to talk to you about what you said here, Lord, because this applies to me. And I see this jump off the page and I say, this is my life here, Lord. Or help me, Lord, in this area of my life that I see your word dictating to me and so forth. That's what it is. We want to obviously say, Lord, where are you staying? He comes to reside with you and me. He resides there. He, he takes up his residence here. And Andrew, he tells, obviously goes after uh, his brother. And uh, first thing he does. Remember? And that's the first point of evangelism, really. 
is looking at those that are closest to us. Sometimes it's hard to witness to our family and friends and so forth because why? It's because we feel like we'll be misunderstood. We feel like somehow we'll be rejected. What if I tell somebody that, you know, really, would you like to come to church with me? Would you like to come? Because our church is teaching the word of God and, and has a real vision for people's growth in the Lord. What would they believe? What will they think? Will they think that I'm some kind of Jesus fanatic or so forth? That some kind of a, you know, religious freak or whatever. You see, a lot of times that keeps us. But obviously it didn't stop Andrew. He went and got his brother Peter. So actually what you see is actually the ripple effect of evangelism. You tell one, and then they tell one, and it goes on and on and on, and it begins to expand. And that's about what we are about here. Because the priority of my life and your life should be to tell other people about Jesus Christ. You know, if it's obviously the priority to see who can leave this world with the most toys, that's not God, okay? You know, everything's getting bigger. Everything is getting bigger today. But our priority should be, and we need to revisit this in our lives every now and then, obviously, as God leads us, is that our priority is, is should be to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Should be not worry about what man may say because people's eternal destiny is based upon maybe what you say or what I say in that. You go, man, I'm not qualified. I don't have a theological degree. No, he calls all of us. We all are called. Andrew was an ordinary man. He was a common folk, as it may be said. He didn't have anything. And not a lot said about Andrew in the scriptures. He isn't one of the ones that's spoken of a lot. But actually, Andrew, if you look through the scriptures, he led a lot of people to Christ. He knew. He knew his calling. Okay, now we're talking about five disciples. And that Jesus has said, follow me. You see, Jesus tells us the same thing. He said, follow me. He said, I'll make you fishers of men, actually. And so we just obviously, as we've accepted Christ, we're saying, I don't want to keep this good news to myself. I want to tell the world about Jesus. Amen. I want to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. May God give us holy boldness to be able to do that. Not obnoxiousness or in some way, you know, trying to be arrogant about it. But we have the answer today. And people today are, 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 are leaving this world separated from God. We were talking about in some Sunday school that it coming down the street over here and have done it many years, many times, many people have, have walking their dogs. Maybe people are doing all these types of things. And I look at those people and I think, well, maybe their church is still shut down. Maybe they're still not able to open because of the size of the church or whatever. I hope that's what it is. But many people today, before the COVID crisis, I'd come down the street and they're still doing that. It's because they don't know Jesus Christ. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. God's only begotten son. It's the only way. And they have no idea. I want to tell you, it's a very, very serious of what we're talking about here, church. We're talking about the fact that we are actually here to share that good news with other people who have no way of knowing. Many people don't know. People don't know. And actually, the church is not just within these four walls. The church is out there. The church is out there telling people on in your you know you're coming and you're going about Jesus in, in the in the filling station or wherever it may be. May God help us and give us grace to be able to see people the way Jesus sees them, because He sees them with compassion, just like He sees you, saw you and me, and pulled us out of that that muck and that mire and put our feet upon a rock. You see, we need to share that with other people. Andrew, he did that, and uh, he was a rough old fisherman. I remember years ago, there were 
uh, a movement called Promise Keepers. And if you remember what came up out of that was a sort of a, a slogan that real men love Jesus. You know, in the past, many times, it's, it's the, uh, the wives that are in the church today and, and always seen that today. And, and, and then it seemed to be a movement where the men came back in the church and all and so forth. Because many times what got flipped around was is that the women became the spiritual leaders in the family when the men should have had that position because it's God-ordained. And that has worked out. Men, men are coming back. Real men love Jesus. God is telling us today something very, very important, I believe. Obviously, the other disciple was John. And John, I believe, when, when Andrew went after Peter, John was going after his brother James also. They went out and they hit family. Hit family to begin. Pray over the family. Pray at times that, that, that God would move in the family, obviously. And then Simon Peter, in verses 41-42, we think about it. Uh, obviously, that... That calling upon Andrew's heart was not actually in the sense of calling it a professional calling. It was just he's an ordinary man. I'm an ordinary man. You're an ordinary person. Just that. But you can make such a difference in the kingdom of God if you'll step out and believe God for great things. I want to tell you. Obviously, the question is, though, do you still have the fire in your heart when you, from the time you first got saved? You remember that fire in your heart when you first met Jesus? You fiery love for Jesus? Do you still have that fire in your heart, church? Do you still have that fire that just, that's just blazing in your heart and desire to share the love of Jesus with other people? Is that still burning in your heart today? That's a question to be asked. Because if it's not, and if it's like a, like a little tiny flicker there, I want to tell you, God wants to take and blow on that flicker and set your, your heart and your life on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen. Today. You see things going. Everybody's going the opposite way. Everybody seems to be going this way. Obviously, as we studied in Sunday school, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Many people today are going down the road of destruction because they don't know Jesus. And you see, God has called you and me to share about that good news, to share with other people about Jesus and who He is. You know, something I, I learned years ago, and the old expression is, you need to preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Go back and rehearse that about what the gospel really means, the good news of Jesus saying that we, obviously, He's given us that, that opportunity to receive salvation only in His name. And so preach that gospel to yourself every day. Okay? Just take people where they are. Take people where they are, wherever they may be. If you step out in faith, Jesus will meet you there. People, you go, well, what if they reject me? Well, they might reject you. But certainly many of them are listen. You know, in the many years of hospice, uh, many years in hospice, going into homes, I'd go up to the door knowing that I was going in a place where somebody's loved one was, was terminally ill. They either had passed away and I was going for the visit or I actually... Uh, they were still here, whatever it may be. I had to knock and I was praying all along when I go up to the door. Lord, give me grace. Show me what you're doing in this family and let me be a part of it. Every time I'd go to the door and knock on that door because I never knew what it would be open to. Obviously, emotional grief that we know happens at the time where people are going through this very difficult time and so forth. And, you know, I had opportunity to share Jesus with many, many people. And it was it was a privilege. 
and certainly it was. And in all, I, I didn't, it wasn't there all the time, but I would ask the Lord what he was doing, an opportunity to share Jesus. But I always thought, what about, because you see, chaplaincy is somehow governed by the government, actually Medicare. And so there's certain things that uh, actually are unspoken, maybe, in a way that you can say or you can't say. You know, we can talk about a generic God, but don't talk about Jesus. And don't try to proselytize, so to speak, people about the gospel and so forth. You've got to. And yes, you meet people where they are and you take them from that point, just like Jesus did with these disciples he first called. But I always said, well, Lord, you know, I'm going to share Jesus with this 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 family. I'm going to share that with them. And if somehow this gets back and and I lose my job, I lose my job. OK. It doesn't make it. And I wasn't trying to be a spiritual hero at all. It was just that I'm going to share Jesus with them because the desire to be obedient to Jesus overread any fear that I had of the consequences of doing that. And you see, that should be us also. But you know, I saw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in hospice. And I shared with Jesus with many, many people and people. And I remember one particular man, he was up in Kingwood, and I was there in the home and and I was talking to him about Jesus and all because he's getting ready to die. I had to, I had to answer. And God had placed me there. He may place you there in a place like that also. In fact, people actually are getting ready to die anyway, no matter how old they are. Because we're going that way real fast, church. And we need to tell them. And so we talked and talked and talked. And, and finally, I'd ask him. I said, you know, I, I, I know, you know the only way to heaven is through Jesus and, and giving your life to him and asking that he come and take control of your life and so forth. Do you want to do that? And he said, no, well, I don't want to do that. I said, okay. Well, his, he was staying with his daughter. And so I came back and the daughter said, Jim, could you see dad again, please? And so I, I came back and, and saw him. And again, I went in, we talked, and I kind of gave a quick kind of a, uh, I guess you'd call it a synopsis of the Bible, what the Word of God says and, and what we know is truth and so forth. And he listened to me that day. And I said, do you want to accept Christ in your heart and ask him to forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior and, and to take control of your life, that you'll live eternity with him. Do you want to live eternity? Yes, I want to live with Jesus. And he bowed his heart and bowed his head that day and asked Jesus to come in his life. And so it was a few weeks later that the CEO of my company sent a letter back to uh, my boss and down through different people. And the letter was from the, the man's daughter. And what she said on there was a long letter that said basically she, the service that were provided by my, our hospice was so comforting and so peaceful. But she said one thing about it was, and she said, the chaplain, Jim, came in and led my father to, into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit did it and God did it. Yes, I was a part of what he was doing. And Jesus Christ, that came down and it began. To, and I thought, oh, well, what will be said? Because you see, it wasn't that Jim somehow talked about God in a generic sense. It was actually leading someone into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ specifically. She said, I'm so glad because I know my father's in heaven now. And you see, I had no idea of the fullness, but that letter went all through the company. And do you know what? In all the years that I shared Jesus Christ with people, and I would tell people before I started sharing the gospel, I said, I want to ask you this, and I want to tell you, if you have any qualms about me sharing this with you, you stop me, because I want to intrude. Over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people 
I never had one person say, stop. I don't want to hear anymore. We have a preconceived notion that somehow people are going to reject us, are going to reject the gospel when we have the answers to life and life forevermore. And sometimes we hesitate about that. But you see, I believe these disciples, they didn't hesitate because they set the world upside down. They set a foundation for the church today of what we see. And Andrew was one of those. And then, of course, there was Simon and, and so forth. And so they were brought to Jesus. And it, it was wonderful. And Jesus, obviously, should be the priority of our life. The next person was Philip. Philip, actually, the next day Jesus finds Philip. And um, it's amazing how non-spectacular, non-sensational Philip's conversion is. Jesus simply says, follow me. You know, you think, Jim, how do I tell somebody about Jesus? <laughs> if you say, I want to tell somebody about Jesus, look out. Because God will put somebody in your path that you can tell about Jesus. Amen. And you don't have to know, obviously, you go, but I don't know the Bible that well and so forth. Well, neither is anybody, really. Jesus is the word of God. But it says, if you'll step out, he said, I'll meet you where you are. And I'll give you the words that you need to be able to speak what that person needs to hear. That's the wonderful thing about it is I didn't have to worry about it. I've got, yes, I've got a theological degree and so forth. But trust me, over the years, I have a seminary degree. But over the years, I get out into the world and so forth. And I'm not sure that seminary degree has helped me at all. I just had to go in dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God, dependent upon God to speak through me to make a difference in somebody's life. It's not my education that's going to get in there and actually convict anybody. It's going to be the Spirit of God convicting them. And you have the Spirit. I have the Spirit. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Resurrection power lives within us. And somehow, I pray in the morning, give me power today, Lord, to live for you. But we have an opportunity. And Philip, obviously, uh, stepped out. And he followed Jesus. Then the next per person was Nathaniel. And you know what Nathaniel said? You can read it there. He goes, remember, we found a Messiah. Nathaniel, and he's from Nazareth. He says, anything good come from Nazareth? Remember? He was skeptical. He was cynical about that. You know, you could say in your heart, has anything good come out from Houston, Texas? Couldn't you say that? But yet there is. Anything good. He said, come from Nazareth. Remember there. But remember what Jesus did? Jesus said, I saw you under the fig tree. Jesus was actually having a revelation. What God was giving him That's the gift of the spirit called the word of knowledge. He saw him under the fig tree. And he said that. And Nathaniel, go, how do you know me? I don't know you. And so forth. And, you know, sometimes when you you're standing there wondering and you think that somehow you get this thought about this person and you wonder where that thought came from. It very well could be God speaking that he would want you to share that with somebody else. Have you ever seen anybody in, in the restaurant and maybe you lock in on them and so forth and maybe your heart just kind of goes out. You're, you're, you want to say, I, I just want to go over there and say hello to that fellow or that gal. I want to say God bless you to that person. It could very well be that God's spirit is prompting you to step out and to bless somebody. You see, this is what Jesus was hearing. And he, so he was reading Nathaniel's mail, so to speak. He knew, obviously. And so it got Nathaniel's attention. These are all ways that we evangelize. Sometimes it actually is going into discussion with them. 
with the person. Or it could be just, you know, today. I remember I've told the story many times before. And this I'm giving examples of this. I'm not boasting about this at all because I need to make sure I'm open to people today. But in the past, there's certain things I know I remember in my life. And I always share this story because uh, it, it, it illustrates what was here. You know, sometimes you don't have to go into a long dissertation and theological discussion with the person and so forth. God will give you the word. I walked in a lady's room there up in uh, Montgomery County, big farmhouse, and she's under a canopy bed and so forth, terminally ill, young lady. Well, not that, that old in her 40s, uh, terminal breast cancer, I believe it was. And so the, the social worker uh, in front of me walked in, and I walked in. I remember she locked in on me when I came in. I'd never met her before. And so the social worker named Melissa went up and started kind of comforting her and so forth. She looked at her and she said, you don't need to talk to me. You need to talk to Jim. And she said, yeah. I went over and asked her right there. I said, do you know Jesus? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ in your life to forgive your sins and to be your Lord and Savior? Have you ever done that? Have you ever really just given your life to Jesus and asked him to come in and take control? And she went, no, I haven't. I said, would you like to? She said, yes, I would. And I led her in a prayer just saying, ask Jesus to come in your life. She died about two weeks later. She went home to heaven. You see, sometimes it's just like, follow me. That's what Jesus said to his disciples, follow me. Sometimes it takes where you're listening to God and you're sitting there in the discussion talking about Jesus and so forth and what he's done in your life. And sometimes you may get a thought there and God just plants something there and you hear something and you speak it out and then God anoints it. And that person goes, how'd you know that? How do you know that about me? You see, God uses all these ways in leading people to Christ. Obviously, we're just people, but God uses us in a powerful way. The other day I was standing, I, I um, ran into a, somebody that's in the neighborhood getting ready to move into the neighborhood. He is a youth minister at Second Baptist Church. They've got a large youth group. They, by the way, they've got, they're having to split their youth group up into two groups of 500 because they've got a thousand <laughs> wouldn't that be a good problem to have and he this guy is a true youth minister because i can tell callings on his life because he obviously can relate to those teenagers and so forth and one of the teenage girl was asking about judas and what about judas you know uh well, judas could he have not betrayed jesus and 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 all she had a lot of questions about that judas betraying jesus and so forth and and this uh this guy, he, he was explaining what he was sharing with that young lady about that. And, uh, you know, after she, he had finished describing, just kind of going through as the best he could, is the, I believe that the, the young lady was satisfied with the answer, was able to take that and then move on from that point. But you see today, you know, sometimes we think, well, what if I get a difficult question? You know what? Most of the time, all the questions I get are difficult, but I know who can answer them. I know Jesus can, and I know I'm dependent upon him when I come into a person's presence that don't know, doesn't know Jesus, and, and Jesus will be faithful. If we'll get out of the boat, he's faithful to let us walk on the water. He'll do it. But you see, it's not always comfortable. It, it presents some challenges to us here. And so Nathaniel knew this was impossible for Jesus to know him and so forth, but yet Jesus actually uh, began to talk. He said, I know you. He said, how do you know me? You know, when you go in, and I've had people where I, was, I went in and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But if I begin, introduce myself and, and so forth and begin maybe the conversation and, and every now and then it will, man, it will, sometimes it will go from, hey, isn't this good food? <laughs> I mean, in the natural. And it will shift to Jesus. 
Turn it over. And God begins to shift it. Why? It's because you've made yourself available. Saying I want to be used with, by you. I want to partner with you. In what you're doing in the earth today. That's all it is. It's not you doing it anyway. It talks about that Paul said I, I planted. And, and Apollos planted. But, and Apollos watered. And then he says but God gave the growth. All we're responsible for are telling people the truth. Amen. We are not responsible for the results. We can't save anybody. I've never saved anybody. Never will. It's God who saves people. Spirit of God. We're responsible for planting those seeds. And then moving on. Praying for it. That it would come forth and bear much fruit. That's all we're responsible for. Nathaniel turns completely around. He goes from unbelief to belief here. And he says this. He says, you are the king of Israel. You are the king here. Obviously, he said, goes on to say, Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. That's nothing. He says this, you shall see greater things than that. And then he added, I'll tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Obviously, it's a reference to Jacob's ladder when the angels were descending and descending and so forth. What was he saying? My vernacular was, you ain't seen nothing yet. You want to walk with Jesus? You want to walk with me? You want to follow me? You ain't seen nothing yet. You want to see God do supernatural things and, and change lives today? I don't know of anything better, church. I want to tell you today is when I've observed and maybe shared the gospel and God has come in and somebody has received and believed in Jesus and, and they, their life has changed and, and they go in a different direction than the way they were going. That is the greatest thing that I've ever seen in my life and ever will be. Amen. The only thing. There's nothing better. Believing Jesus Christ because I want to take maybe time is, is short. We don't know. It could be. So I want to tell you, Jesus this morning continues to call disciples to himself. And are you a disciple? He said, no, you know, you're converted. And actually, are you disciples? Be given your heart. You actually just said, Lord, come and take control of my life. When you do that, let me tell you, he'll really touch you. He'll change your life. But we've got to surrender. The old hymn, I surrender all. I surrender all to thee. I surrender all to him. I truly give. That's what it is. Nathaniel there actually, uh, when he said, I've seen you in your private times, basically. You're saying, hey, see, see, Jesus has said, I've seen you in your private times. I've seen you in your struggles. I haven't looked away from you when you were in your struggles. I saw you and I want to make a difference in your life. And the question today, and Jesus always offers an invitation. He always does that. He never forces. He's a gentleman. He never does that. Now, he can woo you. And he can obviously prompt you, but he never overrule. He says he gives us a free will whether or not we'll follow Jesus. And the question is today, are you willing just to give your life to him over and say, Lord, come and take full control of my life? I want to be saved. I want to be born again. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. I want to know you. I want to be able to witness for you. I, I want that fire in my life again to blaze. I don't want to go through the motions of just thinking that, man, I'm doing my religious duty by coming to church today or maybe reading my Bible or whatever. I want to know Jesus and I want to know him. His resurrection power. I want to know him in my life. That's one purpose. And then I want to share him with everyone that God sets me up with. And they obviously will change your life will change you completely. 
God says, I've seen you in your struggles. I've seen you when you were tossing and turning on your bed. Obviously, I've seen you when you've been rejected by friends, family, by this world. I've seen you. And I want to come in. I want to make a difference in your life. That's what Jesus is offering us today. Would you bow your heads? We thank you, Father. Father, we come to you this morning in the precious name of Jesus and pray that we would really get serious about this. That we would be serious, Lord, to be able to just come and say, Lord, take me as I am. I am yours and you are mine. And we ask you, Lord, today that people's heart today, even now, just open to say, Lord, I'm available to be used by you. If there be anyone here today who's never really stepped out and said, I, I need Jesus in my life. I, I need to turn my life over to him. I need for him to take full control. And realizing we're not in control anyway, we think we are. But Lord, we yield our hearts to you today. And say, come in and be our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our all in all. And Lord, today, we know we're equipped with the, the power of your spirit in our lives to share the good news. But the Bible says in, in the book of Acts that we're to wait and, and receive that power from on high. And, and that we'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. We'll be witnesses, Lord, in the city of Houston, League City, Dickinson, Lamarck, all over, Lord, this world for Jesus Christ today. So I ask you, Lord, today that you would fill us with your spirit. Holy Spirit, come and touch every person in this place today and fill every person here and those who are watching on this uh, stream today. We pray that in Jesus name. Holy Spirit, come. Set our hearts afire because, Lord, we're living in perilous times. And we know, Lord, that we can make a difference today as you live your life through us. It's not us, it's you. Dear God, today, we want to partner with you and what you're doing in the earth today. And so come, Holy Spirit, set our hearts on fire. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for watching and listening. And I pray that God will just you'll see the difference that God Almighty will make in your life uh, as a result of you seeking him with all of your heart. Have a great week. Amen. God bless.